Welcome to Sivako, the Avatar podcast. Joining me today on this special episode, I have a very special guest. Special guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, 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 my name is Matthew, uh, and thanks for having me on here. It's a pleasure. So, uh, Matthew, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, how did you get into the sort of film podcast sphere? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, I, first off, I am uh, I have received my associate's degree in theater along with a Bachelor of Science from Stevenson University in film and moving image. Uh, however, during the pandemic, when uh, us, uh, all of our students us students weren't able to go to the Stevenson University campus and had to do a remote learning for the rest of the semester, uh, we had to, I ended up meeting uh, a couple of friends online, uh, eventually down the road by the name of Nico and Zeddy from Chicago. And because of them, I was able to get on to a couple of their ep- uh, former shows that they have. Um, and from there, I just was able to branch out through social media platforms and Twitter and ended up on various podcasts like the 300 uh, Passions podcast. I recently was on an episode for True Romance. I also worked uh, with uh, Juan Carlos Oyano with um, uh, The One Inch Barrier. If you guys haven't checked that podcast out, check it out. Um, But yeah, just a bunch of other stuff. But most frequently, I have been a guest podcaster on uh, David's show, uh, Real Talks. Uh, And the uh, the last couple ones we've been doing were like spoiler podcasts for films like Fast 10 and uh, Across the Spider-Verse. And uh, can't wait to do more of these. Very exciting, and it's, it's a pleasure to have you on. Honestly, I'm I'm super excited, and well, I say excited. The topic today is po- not the happiest of topics, <laughs> uh, but we'll get into that shortly. Uh, before we do, I want to ask you a couple little Avatar questions. Uh, the first of which is, when did you first see Avatar? Well, uh, I'm glad you asked that because I remembered seeing the trailer. I don't know how when it was or where it was I first saw the trailer, but when I, I'd first seen the teaser for the, the very first Avatar film, I remembered thinking to myself, wow, this is a weird adaptation of The Last Airbender. I None of this feels like, like, like they're adapting the show at all. I don't even know who's in this or what the story is about. Uh, but yeah, so flash forward to like December, 2009, I saw it in 3d. I remember it having a really crappy theater experience because the projector kept breaking and, uh, to the point where they couldn't show the trailers. They just said, screw it. We're just going to, you know, jump right into the movie. Sorry to waste your time, guys. Uh, we're just going to go right into it. And then it broke again in that the audio for it uh, started bugging out. And right as they're giving the whole unobtainium, was it unobtainium uh, mm. exposition with the uh, Giovanni Ripsi is talking to Sigourney Weaver in his office, that whole audio was cut out. So we couldn't hear any of that piece, but then it came back on. And then afterwards, all the managers and workers were outside of the theater. Excuse me. And uh, they gave us like these free tickets to be like, Oh, sorry for the inconvenience. Here's your free tickets. Um, you know, come back and you know see a movie on us or whatever. And then a couple of months later, they turned it into, which was a Cinemark I went to, by the way. They turned it into a Cinemark XD auditorium, which is the equivalent of like an IMAX theater. I'm not sure if you guys have that in your area, Sean. Uh, yeah, we got we got the IMAX, but X XD is like I think might be quite America specific. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. Um. 
but at least you're aware of what it is. Um, yeah. So I, yeah. So I, I hadn't seen the first one all the way through maybe since middle school. Cause I, we, we, uh, I rewatched it in class, I think in like chunks of it or whatever. And then I, I held off on watching it again. Uh, as soon as we got the trailer for avatar, the way of water. And I immediately thought of two things. One, there's no way anything's going to beat this for the visual effects Oscar, you know, that upcoming year. There was nothing else coming out that was going to beat it. Like nothing. There was no Dune, no Star Wars, nothing. And so, yeah, I was pretty much, I, and I even called Nico and Zeddy and I said, guys, Avatar is going to win visual effects. We can just cross that off. All right, what's the next category we can predict like months in advance or whatever? Because I am I also failed to mention that I'm also an Oscar predictor as well. and. Uh, the other thing, too, is I thought to myself, you know what? I think now it's time that I, I show my grandma Avatar because it's been a while since she's seen the movie. So I ended up watching it like three different times uh, prior to the new one. I saw it first in the theatrical cut form at home. We have a really nice TV in uh, the entertainment room uh, where I live. And then I watched it again in its like 3D re-release which was amazing. And I'll circle around back to that uh, down the road as we talk about Avatar films. Uh, and then I showed my brother the extended cut, which neither of us had never seen. Uh, it's not the special edition. It's like the three-hour cut that's included on like the, the, the big bundle that they have, which I would highly recommend for anyone out there who's interested in knowing more about how Ca James Cameron makes films. And uh, or even if you're just interested in learning what, what it took for the visual effects artists themselves to create the technology, to create the world and the concept art and bring it to life. And I, you know, I was go going through some of the behind the scenes stuff and it was really interesting regardless. And yeah. And then, like I said, I I'd seen the, the second film in 3d twice, by the way. So I saw it first on opening day. And, and then again, I saw it like a week later, I think with, and I showed it to my brother and it was a really fun experience overall. And I'm, I'm glad that I was able to take my, you know, take that journey to Pandora once again, so to speak. It's cool to hear like people getting like back into it for, you know, the, this is the way I got back into Avatar as well was because of that trailer releasing for The Way yeah. Water and just immediately being like, man, I need to watch it again. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the other thing, too, is that I, I, I'm pretty sure you've already talked about this when you were going through your retrospectives on earlier James Cameron films. But, you know, say what you want about, you know, his shitty dialogue writing, in my opinion. And, you know, some people may call him like, oh, yeah, he's got a big ego going against him. But I, I remember when I, I rewatched the movie again in 3D, because when I saw the first when I saw it at home with my grandma last year, I was like, yeah, I, I respect the film a lot. I think there's a lot of technical improvements here. You know, I could see why it's, it was hailed as like one of the best, you know, technologically made films and what pushed the boundaries for what was possible for CG. But when you see it in 3D and in theaters, it really blew my mind as to like, okay, uh, all right, it, Cameron really does deserve the, the sort of like ego that he has around him, like a little bit in terms of like, you know, the, the guy really is, he's not talking the talk. He's doing the walk as well. And I always value his voice as a filmmaker, even in other films. Cause I, I personally, Sean, I'm not the biggest fan of the avatar films. I think they're fine or they're entertaining, but I'm not one. I, they're not ones where I'm like, Oh my God, I, I can't wait to revisit the, the world of Pandora again. Like I would like 
the Star Wars franchise or, you know, any other science fiction world I could think of, like Dune, for example. Um, but at the same time, I, I always value his voice as a filmmaker. And even when you look through his other films, because I, I much prefer his earlier films, like Terminator 2 is like one of my favorite action films of all time. I love Titanic. And even True Lies, I think, is a, a pretty fun, you know, spy caper kind of movie. And yeah, and Cameron's just a really solid director. And he just knows how to create tension. He knows how to create escalation and tension building within those action set pieces. And I want to give a quick shout out to, while I'm at it, to Sophia, which as of this recording, I believe is her birthday. Sophia from Oscar Wilde. Uh, uh, she had mentioned in her letterbox review, and I'd always keep going back to, to her, uh, you know, to what she said about Avatar: The Way of Water. In that she said, "quote Cameron really knows how to direct action scenes, and the third act truly puts every Marvel film to shame." And it kind of does actually, because I I was even rewatching Avatar: The Way of Water again uh, about a week or so ago, and I finally showed it to my grandma upstairs in the big in the big screen room in the entertainment room. And it really does make me go like, wow, like it, it's not just Cameron throwing a bunch, you know, Cameron and the executives at 20th century studios and Disney throwing a bunch of money at a big budget movie. And that's it. They put the time and effort into making this technology look amazing. Like the waterwork effects are astounding. And even the facial, you know, uh, uh, voice, it was it, uh, performance capture as John Landau would say, uh, the producer on the film, uh, it it really is outstanding and stunning. Even even uh, the when I first saw the on my the the second film on my first viewing, I was blown away that Spider is essentially interacting with the 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 Navi characters to where I couldn't tell that he was on a green screen or a blue screen or whatever you know projection that they had there. And then I watched the behind the scenes stuff, and and it apparently I was told. Uh, through these like videos and featurettes I saw that they shot him in like a live action, you know, as he was in his human form. And then, you know, put the actor again in a motion capture suit to sort of blend the two together within their environments. And I'm like, okay, Cameron, you know what? You win. <laughs> you, you clearly know what you're doing as a, as a visual effects artist, you know, a, a, you know, a director pushing the visual effects industry forward. And, I could never go there as someone who wants to be a filmmaker myself. I can never go there ever um, because it's just so much steps that I have to get there. And I'm not even there yet. You know, um, I mean, hell, the short films I worked on, I don't think we worked on any sort of like major special effects at all. It was like very, like very minor stuff. And most of that was done practically on set. So, yeah, but no, I, I give props to Cameron. That's it. I think, despite you know your anyone's personal feelings towards the Avatar films, they can't deny that he is like putting that vision into full effect in every possible way he wants to, and not a lot of filmmakers get that opportunity nowadays. And I'm so glad someone like him still does. You know, especially when you hear like people like you know Scorsese or uh, Del Toro or uh, Spielberg sometimes struggle to get a movie made at all. Yeah, and uh, like a huge passion project for this, that should be like an automatic. Like, yes, we will give you whatever you want here. Make it, uh, but Cameron's like the only person who gets to do that nowadays. Yeah, and the other thing that that helps too is that Cameron. I think what what helps with him is that he has at least like what three movies at least that have made like a billion or two billion dollars. So maybe that could be why. Um, <laughs> also, he's he, was it? He's only worked with. Uh, Excuse me, uh, 
the was it 20th Century Studios and and Disney for the last like uh well ever since he started the second film actually and yeah and and then you know and then you're right yeah it sucks when you get these like great auteurs and you know filmmakers like Scorsese and Del Toro and then we get something as shitty as like Jurassic World to where it's like oh we get to you know we're going to we're going to greenlight that and the effects won't be nearly as good as when they did the first Jurassic Park film you know cuz we're, all we're going to do is just throw a bunch of money at these like you know summer blockbuster tent poles doesn't matter what the film looks like you know even if it looks like the shittiest you know like the flash movie for example whatever it, and it'll still make billions of dollars you know who cares you know and it's like come on guys i'm really sick and tired of you just doing this like that's part of the reason why i stopped watching the transformers films and i mean there was other things why i don't watch those films anymore but even something like fast and furious it's like i i love how ridiculous those those films get but even the last one i must admit of like you guys don't need a budget of 340 million dollars when the effects already look like shit (laughs) like what what else is there that you need the 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 film to be like that big of a budget i know you switch directors in between production but still come on yeah that i i think it's a huge thing about like where does the budget go on some of these movies at least with avatar you're like okay yeah i see every single dollar on the screen yeah and i'm i'm hoping to god that the visual effects artists on these avatar films were paid properly because if anyone out there who hasn't seen the documentary life after pie i would highly recommend you check that out after the episode of course um and you know and it just it, we're in a sad state of where visual effects artists are being given little pay they're not being treated well uh by hollywood even though they rely on these visual effects houses and companies to get their films going like the marvel cinematic universe the dc stuff netflix uh you know i already mentioned fast and furious transformers like they need these kind of like you know visual effects houses to make it work that's why i was so angry when the sonic trailer came out like late years ago or whatever and they had that god awful uncanny valley look to their character with the, the human the teeth character. yeah <laughs> it, with the human teeth and then and then everyone's t- and then they're you know and the studio's like yeah we totally agree with this design we want this for our project and it's like no fuck you like you you clearly have no idea like like you 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 thought to yourselves that oh if we could just you know if we just put the title of the game on on our properties or whatever or just you know whatever source material we have and there's a huge fan base for it it's like oh they'll easily go out and see it and people weren't going to do it until they did the whole change up and that caused the whole vfx shutdown i think for i think it was like a canadian vfx house that went under and i'm like you assholes like you should have done this to begin with it's like you should have said to yourself no we're not even going to do that original design fuck that we're doing something else we're going to go much closer to what the game was and what it should have been so yeah it's an absolutely like crazy thing and you know what that sort of leads us nicely into our topic of today in a way because originally we were about to have a a face-off of the blue people uh next year we were going to have avatar 3 versus sonic the hedgehog 3 in december uh 2024 but sadly we have had the sad announcement that avatar 3 4 and 5 have been pushed back um the original post that popped up that i saw was uh from john landau but there was a few you know an article from variety to explain a bit more 
Um, but Lionel's post said, each Avatar film is an exciting but epic undertaking that takes time to bring to the quality level we as filmmakers strive for and audiences have come to expect. The team is hard at work and can't wait to bring audiences back to Pandora in December 2025. And uh, I was on holiday at the time when I, when this news dropped and it was the last day of my holiday and I was extremely sad about it. Um, <laughs> what a downer. <laughs> To something yeah. here, I've got to wait an extra year. Um, so first of all, how are you feeling about the delays to Avatar 3, 4, and 5? I, I'm actually okay with it. I'm a bit optimistic. Um, I can't remember where I was. I might have been in, in Atlantic City when the news dropped because I was on my phone at the beach and I was like, oh, okay, cool. They're they're talking, you know, they they showed a production still. All right, cool. Maybe we're a lot closer than we thought. And then everyone's in the comments like, no, fuck no, why are they delayed it? I'm like, oh, they delayed it. Oh. Okay. Um Okay. Um all right. I I trust Cameron. You know, he wants to delay this for a couple more years to, you know, make sure that they have the technology right and, you know, I'm I'm kind of, I one of my theories as to why besides the whole writer strike going on and, you know, everything could possibly be pushed back to another year like there's a possible rumor going around that some of the other films that we might get next summer like Mission Impossible and some of these other films might get pushed another year. Um, we'll see. I can't really speak on behalf of that, but for something like Avatar, I I think I don't think we need to be like worried about you know them being delayed delayed or anything. I just think again, I just think it's it, it, if anything, it gives Cameron and his team a, a little bit more breathing room. Not that there's a lot in there to begin with, but it gives them a little bit of breathing room to sort of relax and sort of you know make sure the visual effects work. Uh, is perfect and again it doesn't have this like uncanny valley bullshit you know uh going on nowadays in most hollywood films like the marvel films are now in now and all these other stuff so yeah i don't know i'm not i'm not as bummed out as a lot of people are yeah i think it's interesting as well obviously so the first one avatar 3 has been delayed for a year avatar 4 has now been pushed back uh to 2029 which means there's a four-year gap between three and four in terms of releases, and then Avatar 5 is scheduled for 2031, uh, which is the first movie to be announced for the 2030s. Uh, oh, jeez. So how old are you going to be, Matthew, by the time we finish Avatars? <laughs> um, let me pull out my uh, pocket calculator here. Uh, 2031, 1987. I'll be 34, roughly. Ooh, nice. Uh, I'm going to be yeah. 39, so... <laughs> oh, uh, man. <laughs> it's all weird it, it's weird to think it, that far ahead if anything it, it's a shame my grandma won't be around by then um <laughs> that's rough isn't it to think yeah because oh, yeah. yeah she she just turned 81 the other day to get off of a very morbid side of things um <laughs> i feel like as you said i think despite these bit you know it being sad and i've now got another year to wait for the next one i think overall it is a positive thing because yeah a film like this needs more time for those visual effects. And if it means, you know, the people working on this are working at a reasonable pace instead of like a stupidly quick pace, it means we're not going to miss, you know, small details are not going to be missed out. It means probably the whole thing will have such a good finish to it and look so incredible. It's going to probably blow us all away. So it's in, and it's interesting you brought up about the, uh, the writer's strike, obviously that's been going on now for, uh, almost two months, I think, at this point. And yeah, it started in May, May 2nd. Oh, boy. And 
it's really interesting when you consider the films that have been affected by it, the delays that uh, Disney have announced. Um, Avatar's an interesting one because I know that they've already filmed a, a, a I think they might have filmed all of Avatar 3 and are just doing reshoots. Yeah, they, they said they had finished the third film. Yeah, as you said, they're they're doing like a couple of reshoots maybe like this summer, I think, or mm-hmm. maybe like closer to winter. I can't remember, but some, someone in the cast said that they had to go back to do reshoots for... Um, yeah, I think bit. it was Zoe Saldana mentioned it maybe at the Oscars or something, but she's do, they're doing reshoots this summer. So yeah. they could honestly be doing reshoots any any minute now. Yeah, for all we know, Cameron's probably, you know, yelling his ass off with the microphone saying like, no, go, no, go dive her into the water. No, you know, uh, bury yourself in the water. <laughs> Suffocate. <laughs> I shouldn't be saying that, especially with uh, what's been going on in the world news. Uh, but anyways, moving on with that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's so I think it's interesting to look at the other films that have been announced. Um, interestingly enough, there's been a couple films that got pushed forward. Uh, one of which is Deadpool Three. Uh, that's the the movie that's coming out next May, uh, May 2024. How are you feeling about Deadpool Three getting moved up in the schedule? So it's been moved up to May from I think July or August originally. <sighs> I'm more worried about who's behind the scenes on that because I'm I'm, I'm pulling up the uh, the thing right now. I should have had this prepared. Uh, yeah, I, I'm a little bit worried about Deadpool 3. Not that, again, I'm not really worried about the release date being pushed up. But then again, you know, well, anyways. Um, it's just more of who's behind the camera because I'm, Sean Levy's directing it. I'm not really a huge fan of his work. Um, you know, I, I, I hear he was at the Stranger Things show is really good. I just haven't bothered watching it yet. Um, and yeah, I don't know. We'll see how that turns out. Um, because, you know, the the one lesson I did learn the hard way was uh, even though you have the writers of the first two Deadpools working with uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds once again, uh, you could get another like six underground situation where it doesn't matter who's in charge of the writing stuff. It's still going to suck. I definitely have some concerns, especially with based on like when it's been filmed, because they're, they're in production for it at the minute, I believe. Yeah. And obviously with the fact that the riot strikes going on, uh, from what I understand, Ryan Reynolds is not allowed to improvise on set because right. it will go against the writer strike. And a similar situation occurred when X-Men Origins Wolverine was made, uh, which was obviously the last time uh, Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds got to pair up in an X-Men movie. So uh, if it's as good as that one, you know, we're we're in for a great time next year. At least it'll be a so bad it's funny kind of movie, maybe. But I don't know if you can even say that. But yeah, we'll see. I just, yeah, I'm just crossing my fingers. I'm hoping it's good. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'll go through the list of the rest of the. Uh, so there was a bunch of Marvel movies, uh, Disney and Star Wars movies, which were moved back and or given release date entirely. So the the next on the list was Captain America: Brave New World, which is now going to be show, uh, released in July 2024. Uh, any any strong thoughts on that one currently? Um, pretty dumb title. Uh, I'm not really I mean, a fan of the... I'll be honest, it's improved the title. Really? I, I prefer it over the other one. <laughs> Was it New uh, World Order? New World Order. I mean, 
Yeah, it was generic, but it wasn't like so stupid like this uh, one was, in my opinion. But I don't know. <laughs> I, I I will say it's. It, we should also point out real quick that in case you haven't already in the past, um, on the the show, uh, Harrison Ford has replaced uh, William Hurt uh, due to William Hurt passing away from I believe some type of cancer. Um, so it's it's interesting that they decide to go with Harrison Ford as their go-to guy to play uh, Colonel, was well, General Ross, I should say. And uh, I assume Harrison Ford, you know, he'll probably have like a fun publicity tour being, you know, asked all these like comic book questions. And he's like, what's a Red Hulk? You know, <laughs> it's just like, I'm only doing it for a paycheck. Okay. Yeah. Harrison Ford does not care about this movie at all. He saw a big old paycheck slide across the desk and was like, yep, sure. I'll do whatever. Just give me the money, and I'll I'll walk away from it afterwards. Yeah, and with and with how many good movies he's been in, like the Indiana Jones movies, the Star Wars films, the two Blade Runner films, like I I think he's earned the point where he's just like, you're fine, <laughs> just so long as you're not slumming it in your performance. You could you know you know just half ass these interviews and be like, oh yeah, it was um it was a great movie, I guess. Mm, yeah. This is the thing. As, as a lot of the time, I've been watching a lot of the ones for the for the new Dial of Destiny film, and I quite enjoy seeing his little interviews when he's paired up with someone else. So like him and Phoebe Waller Bridge has been good. Um, but yeah, you can really tell that he just does not enjoy doing these press junkets. No. Um, he's up only, next, he's only doing it for the money, not for yeah. love. <laughs> exactly. Um, up next, replacing what was going to be Avatar's original slot. Uh, December next year is the Thunderbolts movie, um, which I'm going to be honest, I have absolutely zero interest in at this point. <laughs> it's uh, the the group of the Avengers that I just I, I don't really care about, sadly. Yeah, I, I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I'm starting. Uh, well, I'm slowly. Well, actually, I'm probably at that point where I'm just like I don't really care anymore about the MCU, just because like. I like like my brother said earlier it's just like they had a perfect opportunity to end the franchise with uh Endgame and then if they want to do more movies to sort of you know end the main series and do like a soft reboot or whatever fine whatever um but these iteration of characters we've now reached a point where it's like okay you've gone past your point especially when you have like I said William Hurt passed away um, but also you had uh, the great Chadwick Boseman, who's no longer with us, who died a couple of years ago from colon cancer. And, you know, so majority of your actors like Robert Downey Jr. And I think Chris Evans, they're they're no longer, you know, starring in these movies. They're off doing something else like Robert Downey Jr. is working with Chris Nolan on the new Oppenheimer film. And uh, and Jeremy Renner, I think he's no longer in the MCU anymore after uh, Hawkeye and what happened with uh, his injury with the, the snow incident. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it, it's very much is a case of like, yeah, we're kind of done guys. Come on, let's, let's go, let's wrap this up. And, um, I don't know. I just, yeah, I'm I, like, like you, I'm just, I'm not really that passionate anymore about the franchise. And honestly, I thought something like guardians three or Spider-Man no way home was like a really good, like, you know, set of like epilogue movies of so like, okay, that's, that's good. You know, yeah, it feels like a lot of these, yeah, like a lot of the best ones that have come out lately have been this sort of like, oh, we're just wrapping up this these characters' story arcs and we're going to tuck them away and you can just be like, they've had a happy ending 
and sadly a lot of these other ones now so like the thunderbolts i i'm going to struggle to name most of the people who are even in the team um i know there is florence Pugh's character is it yelena yelena um, belova yep um i know it's uh oh god i'm gonna say the wrong name is it red guardian uh, yeah red guardians in it yeah yeah and I'm going to be honest, That's I, I'm assuming Bucky Barnes is in this. Uh, yep. But that's about it for who I know is definitely in this group. I think they have Ghost. Okay, yeah, they have Ghost from Ant-Man and the Wasp, if you remember that movie. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Wyatt Russell's back from the, was it? Um, oh, he. Falcon and Winter Soldier. Oh, bad Captain America. <laughs> yeah, uh, the bad, bad guy. Um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus is back. Uh Olga, uh, what was it, Taskmaster from Black, the Black Widow prequel? She's back too. Um, yeah, it just, and I think Harrison Ford's back in this one too. But man, um, this is this is like not even a B team at this point. Yeah, this, this is like a D team. Yeah, because at it, least the Guardians are like the B team, if anything. Yeah, but they they yeah, and they but they've got their own adventure, and it's the same core of people each time. So I've grown to love them guys, you know. Yeah. This 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 means nothing to me. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah, <laughs> I got nothing else to say about this. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, moving on to the exciting year of twenty twenty five. In February, we are going to be... Well, supposedly we're going to be having Blade, the the most delayed Marvel movie I've ever heard of, because yeah. it's been delayed about five times now, I think. Um, I'm still not convinced there's ever going to be a Blade movie at this point. Yeah, it, it it's sad, too, especially when... Because I, I haven't seen the rest of the, the Wesley Snipes Blade movies, but I remember the first one was decent for what it was. Uh. And then it was great to hear back in 2019, I think it was, after Mahershali won a second Oscar for Green Book. I think he went to the Marvel Studios and called up Kevin Feige or whatever, and he was just like, "I want to, uh, I'm I'm coming here to to you know sort of say like I want to be a part of the MCU, but I got I got one idea." And he goes, "What's that? Blade." And now it's just to a point where it's like, "Okay, when's it coming out?" You know. Um, I don't know if they're even going to make it a, a rated R uh, either because well, I know that I know Deadpool three is is going to be rated R because it's 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 kind of its own thing. But they said they're going to have some ties within the MCU and Kevin Feige's co-producing that with Ryan Reynolds and Sean Levy, I think. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what what Blade is going to be. Are they going to just neuter it down to a PG-13 and. Or are they just gonna make it like a hard R or something like the the Wesley Snipes films were? Yeah, it, it's hard to say, and because there's so many production delays, we just basically have no information on this. Like I've heard this script has been scrapped and rewritten about three times already. Yep, uh, it's changed director at least twice, and I, I'm honestly shocked that it was only 2019. It feels like it was longer ago that he got announced as yeah <laughs> as Blade. Um, but yeah, it's going to be like six years by that point between him being announced to be Playblade and the actual movie coming out. And that that's an alarmingly long amount of time. Yeah, at that point, it's almost like, okay, you're either... Okay, you give this one more chance or you're pulling the plug. Yeah. Um, up next is The Fantastic Four, which is going to be premiering in May of 2025. Um, how are we feeling about seeing a third, or if you're going to count the really weird '90s one, um, fourth iteration of Fantastic Four? 
Well, actually, this would be the fifth one um, altogether because we got the, was it the uh, Cormac, not Cormac McCarthy. Oh, God, what was the guy's name? The the unreleased uh, Fantastic Four movie. Uh, The Roger Corman, was it? I think that's what it was. And then you had the two Tim Story ones with Jessica Alba and Chris Mm -hmm. Evans in it. And then you had the god-awful, shitty Josh Trank one. (laughs) Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, so I... I mean, hopefully it's better than those were because I because the Fantastic Four movies, let's be honest, they've always been shit. Like, you know, if anything, the fan if if anything, the fan four stick films from that film for me made me think like, wow, I never realized how much I I missed the Tim Story ones that they weren't good to begin with. Yeah, that 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 was the the thing I took away most from it was that man. I really enjoyed the really like camp version of the Fantastic Four from the the early noughties. Yeah, but we'll see. Do you, do you reckon they? Because there's so many rumors going around about who's in this cast as well for who's going to play who. Um, do you believe any of them, or is it going to just be like a total surprise by the time we get it? I'm just gonna wait and see what happens because I'm not even. You know, I'm not into like that deep into like nerd culture to where I'm like, mm. I'm going to make my own uh, uh, fan, you know, f- fan casting unless if it's something like The Last of Us. Um, yeah. And that was only because I was so invested in that game. And, you know, yeah. But I, I don't know. I'm just going to wait and see what happens with uh, the Fantastic Four. I, yeah. The one, the one thing I am kind of curious about with whenever they get around to it is are they going to do a whole like CG thing like they did for fan four stick, or are they going to go for the more practical elements of the Tim story one? And I just realized I kind of answered my own question because we're now living in an era where, you know, it's like heavily reliant on CG effects and, you know, not a whole lot of practical effects going on, which is a shame. Yeah, I I cannot see them. the The thing is, a hundred percent just going to be a, some CGI thing walking around. Um, <laughs> they dare not try to do a practical. I don't think they'll get the rock from uh, everything, every world once. There, that's our thing. Perfect. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, you know what? Coming on to that, you mentioned The Rock, which is perfect because up next uh. in June 2025, uh, <laughs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson is back. It's Moana live action. Um, let's not do this, guys. We we don't need this. I'm I'm really sorry. Um, I know I know Dwayne's really looking for a win right now. Um, I love well, Dwayne. I, I and I just I really want the best for him, but he just needs to choose better things to do at the minute. And Moana live action is not the answer. Well, I was also going to say spoilers for Fast Ten. Uh, he's apparently going to be in the new Fast and Furious film uh, as well. But that series is probably that main series of films is probably going to be uh, capping off pretty soon. Um, I've never seen the original Moana, so I have no idea uh you know how good it was or if everyone's full of shit and you know i just like wow i really didn't care for it like i did with other like disney animated and pixar films recently like didn't care for soul and didn't care for some of these other ones that have coming out that came out like uh what was another one Encanto was very bland and forgettable and uh, yeah so I, i i i can't even really comment too much on moana other than like okay that's happening um I just hope we don't reach to a point where, and I think unfortunately we might, where they're just going to reboot their their Pixar properties. Like the Toy Story characters are going to be like live action dolls, and they're going to be like Uncanny Valley nightmares, like the 
Polar Express characters. God, yeah. Um, and also, they're just going to run out of films that they can live action at this point. I know Pixar ones are like the obvious next step, but half of them don't work because there's no human characters. But then uh, they, they did it with The Lion King, so we'll see. Fuck <laughs> we you, Disney. See. <laughs> no, look, I think Disney can still do good stuff. But they need to really refocus at the minute. They they need to stop doing these shitty live action remakes and just piss off. Just go do back, something go else. Back, go back to the original ideas. I think there's still, you know, when they do bring out an original one, it does at least have something special about it. It does have the odd old Disney spark to it at times. Yeah. It's just the, the, the problem is, though, is that a lot of studios like Lionsgate, for example, they were willing to risk, like, I don't know how much money it was they did making that new Hellboy movie, but they were willing to risk an already, you know, well, well-known IP like Hellboy and try to turn that into a profit instead of doing something original and creative like the John Wick movies have been. Mm. Um, so I just, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I just, yeah, I just hope that someone could come to their senses. I, I thought someone could come to their senses, I should say, and say, we got to stop doing these, you know, Disney live action remakes until when The Lion King made a billion dollars. It's like, okay, it's just never going to stop. And people are going to keep going to these. And, you know, because we've now reached the point where it's like, all right, hit the hit the button and, you know, hit on. Was it the just print out all the, you know, carbon copy bullshit films? So, yeah. Yeah, I'm putting a real, I'm put, yeah, I'm putting a real dour on this episode, aren't I? <laughs> oh no, no, look, look, this is we we gotta talk about the state of like how Disney's lineups looking. You know, that's that's the whole idea of this. Yeah. And also to like consider what is Avatar going to be up against in the future, basically. And yeah. I feel like you know with these gaps, you know, God, the, the four year gap between three and four for Avatars is going to feel very long if this is the sort of films we're going to get in between. <laughs> bringing that up let's talk about how we're getting two more avengers films we're getting one in may 2026 called the kang dynasty uh which is 100 percent probably gonna get renamed or recast uh yep. and then we're gonna get avengers secret war exactly one year later not like they've done that setup before where they have two avenger films one year apart exactly for any particular reason um yeah how are we feeling about the, these two avengers films is there gonna be any excitement for them by that point I don't know. I well, I'm. I I would assume that that's where they're going to end it. But I don't know. It's it just seems like Disney is just throwing too much money at, at this to where it's like, like DC has been, where it's just like we got to keep throwing money, and it doesn't matter if these films keep bombing or underperforming. We just got to keep throwing money at them. Although Guardians Three did pretty well financially, um, but yeah. part of it was because James Gunn got what he wanted, and finally did his like capper to his trilogy and. Fans wanted to actually go out and see it. And, you know, there's like a word of mouth going around. And um, yeah, I don't know. I just we'll see. I, I As for the whole Kang situation, uh, I can't comment on it too much because the trial is still going on and we yes. really early can't days. say early too much. Days. But I, all I will say is that, um, yeah, if if what what they say it is true about, uh, you know, who then. Oh, boy, we're in trouble. Yeah, it, it's it's a rough situation to be in two, <laughs> two, two weeks before incidents come to light. Uh, you make a movie where there is just endless of that people um, to say, this is what your main heroes are going to be facing for the rest of the next 
two two to three years. Well, and, uh, um, and on top of that, he had a he had a movie that's coming out. Oh, I don't know. We'll see what happens as of this recording. But he was supposed to have a movie coming out later this uh, winter season, I think, called Magazine Dreams, which was supposed to be like his quote unquote, like Oscar contender type of movie, you know, and, you know, and he would have competed against some of these, you know, uh, you know, actors where we might we may or may not be seeing in awards races like Leonardo DiCaprio for Killers of the Flower Moon or possibly Bradley Cooper for Maestro. And and now it's just like uh, they might just dump it on Hulu or wherever and just, you know, do it that way. But it's 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 such a it's a hard situation. And obviously, way too early days to be talking about oh of course no i totally agree but the 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 worst thing is you guys keep putting dates down for these movies and you're gonna have to keep moving them if things happen (laughs) um so it's a little or just cancel them all together yeah this is it like or you know you're gonna have to just figure out a different villain i don't know get yeah who's that one who eats planets get him (laughs) i don't know i literally my Marvel knowledge is so little. Is Galactus? Yeah, I'm gonna say it's Galactus, okay. but also we I might have had a Gal- we might have had a Galactus at this point. I'm not even sure. Moving away from Marvel films, we finally got some announcements for Star Wars coming back to the cinema. Woo! Uh, maybe <laughs> um, we're getting two Star Wars films in 2026 and one in 2027. Um, do you reckon we will get these Star Wars films because they seem to want to keep putting them off? I think eventually down the road we'll get a Star Wars film. Um, I, you know, if they want to do them as like their own, you know, uh, standalone films, that's that's fine. Um, I just hope that they don't go the route of um, never doing like another trilogy again. Uh, and someone, I think it was on Sardonicast. It was back when Solo was coming out, and I think it was uh, Alex from I Hate Everything Said, it's his own podcast channel. I think he said something along the lines of, like, if he were an executive at, at Lucasfilm, and what he would have done was he would have, you know, you know, held off for, like, a good decade or so, right? And then, you know, really release them as, like, a, do another set of trilogy, another set of trilogies, or films, I should say, as a trilogy, and then, you know, release in, like, a couple of years, like like Lucas did with the prequels, you know? That way it gives you a little bit more time to sort of think creatively and think, you know, about the story and think about the characters. Um, Because I think we're, I think, you know, we've been on a little bit too much of Star Wars Overlord, over, excuse me, Overload (laughs) for a while. Um, I mean, maybe Overlord uh, as well, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, with with how Disney's been running the company like an empire. Um, And uh, yeah, we'll see. I just... It's it's an interesting one because I I miss uh, Star Wars being like an event. I remember when the Force Awakens was coming out and the the excitement of it of being like oh, yeah. Star Wars is back. This is you know I that was the first time I went to like a midnight screening. Incredible experience. It felt so good, and I just don't see myself being that excited for them at the minute if they do come back to the cinema. You know. I think it's a little bit of maybe a bit of oversaturation from the Disney Plus shows and them being sort of very mixed in quality. And yeah, just it's just a weird weird place for Star Wars to be in at the minute. Hmm. Now, one thing I did want to ask you about is, do you think that this writer's strike that's been going on is going to affect these films anymore? Do you reckon we'll see some more delays going on? Yep, I, I do. I, I think... You know, it's 
it's it's very funny that the executives at Hollywood or whoever you know with these studio heads they think to themselves, uh, you know, we'll we'll you know we're not even gonna you know we'll we'll keep pushing for this AI technology and you know p- push for the writers to out of their rooms to where we rely on AI and and shit like that and it's like you guys realize that AI can only do so much like you you can't rely on AI to do these like uh you know animation styles or whatever or have them do these like you know like it's just going to give you like an assembly line screenplay uh you know whereas it, like an actual writer would come in and do something thoughtful and creative or something kind of interesting or have its own little twist you know like you wouldn't get your your Aaron Sorkins your Quentin Tarantinos um or even uh I, I mentioned this on another podcast and I'll mention this again uh, have you ever heard of a movie called Running Scared? Uh, I, I recognize the name. Uh, it's from 2006. It's directed and written by a guy named Wayne Kramer, the guy who did The Cooler. Um, got Alec Baldwin a nomination for from the Oscars. And it's this like really like dark and uh, kind of uh, kind of interesting uh, film that was uh, it starred Paul Walker, Cameron Bright, Vera Farmiga, and Chaz Palminteri, and it involved a, a low-risking mafioso who's in charge of uh, getting rid of a gun that uh, killed corrupt, uh, crooked cops, and he he finds himself in a race against time when the uh, the murder weapon falls into the wrong hands, and so Paul Walker has to go out of his way to go after these you know whoever has the gun and try to get it back before the cops come in and before his his boss comes in you know because he's he's working for a mob and uh something like that wouldn't be made with ai you know computers but it was an interesting movie because you know it, it it's not just your like you know you know dark demented kind of movie but it's it was a throwback to the 70s uh uh you know hard r you know crime thrill films like death wish the original death wish and it also added this like fairy tale element to it. So like it, it's sort of um uh you have these like visual metaphors throughout the film. So like the the main character played by Paul Walker, he you know, his character he's like the big bad wolf of sorts. Um they come across uh, these like uh uh like these two, you know, uh, married couple who's like a reverse Hansel and Gretel. I won't go too much into that. And there's a bunch of other characters like uh they come across like a, a, a pimp dressed in white who's like the Mad Hatter of the world, and uh, this kid who you know accidentally who steals the gun and uses it for his own advantage and runs away with it. He's like Pinocchio who wants like a real family and not this abusive household he has. Um, and it's again, it's a really dark and kind of disturbing movie, but it's it's one that I always come back to, not just for Paul Walker, you know, giving a really solid performance of the film, but just because again, like the the way that Wayne Kramer put that together, it's just something that you would never get from, again, you would never get from a computer creating that, you know, it would just come up with this like algorithm of like your next hunger games movie or your next saw movie or whatever. Um, or even the other, like, you know, intellectual properties, like it, it would probably do another free guy movie, like nothing. And um, yeah. And it, it just sucks that we're, we're not going to be getting more of these like creative uh, things going around because either the studio is going to make sure that to go out of the way to make sure that it's not greenlit and that you don't see it, but also 
even when it does show up in theaters. Like I remember the nice guys came out a couple of years ago. If you have you seen that oh, yet or no? I adore the nice guys. One of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's a fun, like Shane Black uh dark comedy with Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling, you know, interacting off each other like uh you know, it's a throwback to like the Weed the Weapon days. And it flopped at the box office. Like no one went to go see it. And I'm like, guys, this fucking sucks. Like I wanna I want to see more shit like this again, something creative and fun. And again, it's just, you know, whenever I hear a studio, like I said earlier on the podcast, it sucks when studios are willing to risk, you know, uh, like a hundred million dollars easily to market and produce something like a Hellboy movie when it's like destined to fail because you don't have a talented voice like Guillermo del Toro coming back to do it. And you're just like, yeah, who gives a shit? You know, we, we want to just get in. We want our money now, and we want to get in on the Deadpool hard R, you know, funny, goofy kind of movie. Even though Hellboy, as a property, has never been that way at all, even in the comics, I'm pretty sure. So it's just it's just sad to to hear that. You know, even with Disney, it's just like, yeah, who gives a shit about creative content? You know. Yeah, it, it's it's a rough time, and I'm glad these riots or strikes are going on. And uh, from what I understand, as well. Um, this uh, June 30th is when, if nothing's been agreed, uh, the Actors Guild will be joining the strike as well, which I think is when uh, things go real bad for the for the uh, Hollywood producers because they'll really not be able to make anything. And uh, all these films, which have already had <laughs> movie dates announced, will have them pushed back at least another year. Um, yeah. So, it, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. I, I really hope the writers are able to work out uh, we'll get the deal they want to. We support you, writers. <laughs> yeah, we we support writers. Uh, we are truly anti AI in our arts in any form. Basically, um, don't do it. Just yeah. I, I like hearing human stories, especially ones involving planets far away and giant whales that cut off people's arms. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want more of that shit, please. Yeah, um, more of that. I do have one final question for you. Is do you believe Avatar 4 and 5 will be delayed further? Uh, yeah. With the way things are probably going, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, you know, but yeah. But yeah, now, like I said before, if they, and you know, if part of the reason why they're delayed is to get the visual effects better. Okay, cool. I'm fine with it. You know what? I, I put full faith in Cameron and the team. They uh, have proven that time is worth the, the wait. And yeah, if they they could take as long as they want, I will still be there opening day, regardless. And the other thing too about Cameron, I I haven't said this. The the one thing I did want to say about Cameron though is that he hasn't lost his shit entirely. Like he he hasn't become like the George Lucas or Francis Coppola, where it's like, oh okay, you you're you're now in a position where you've lost what made you so great and to begin with, or you just got lucky with your first you know, that first Star Wars film and you realized, okay, this is too much work. I'm giving this to someone else like Irvin Kushner and Richard Marquand, I think it was for the, mm. the Star Wars sequels. Um, but yeah, no, he, but he, at the same time, I personally think someone like George Miller is even more impressive to me because look at what he's done. You know, he didn't do a, a live action movie in, in over a decade or so. And then he comes out with Mad Max three road and it's like fucking awesome. You know? Um, so yeah, no, I, I like you said, I, I trust Cameron enough, and uh, yeah, hopefully these Avatar sequels are just as good, if not just a little bit better, as they get along, like the Fast and Furious films or Mission Impossible films have been. Yeah, 
and it's honestly it's been such a great talk about this i i've really enjoyed it despite the fact we're talking about avatar being delayed and i've now have to figure out another year's worth of content to talk about um yeah it's going to be an interesting two and a half years i have to wait now (laughs) to the next one uh the four-year gap between three and four is going to be the hardest part i believe that that's going to be a killer but yeah, it's it's a fun time. We you know we've had other news recently. Frontiers of Pandora for the for the PlayStation and Xbox is going to be released in this December. So there are still things to be excited about if you are an Avatar fan. Um, so yeah, thank you very much, Matthew, for for joining us. Is there anything you would like to promote? Yes, uh, I would like to promote. Uh, obviously, uh, one of the shows that I'm on is the Real Steel podcast. I'm on with David Steele. Uh, with a couple of episodes that we got planned. Uh, we're going to be doing a bit more of the spoiler cast as the uh, summer goes on. I might be on there for Mission Impossible. We'll see. Um, but there's other stuff that him and I had planned together uh, uh, that we're, we're going to get through as the, as this upcoming Oscar season goes on. And uh, yeah, so that that's all I will say about that. Cause I don't want to give away too much regarding with that. Um, and as far as where you could follow me, uh, you can go to my link tree doc uh, on my account, which is under at Matthew nine, nine, five. It's all lowercase on there. You can find my Twitter account, my letterbox account where you could see all of my social media rants or film rants that I'm putting on letterbox. And you could d- agree and disagree with me on said film. Uh, I also have an Instagram account. You can follow me on a TikTok account, which I just started a couple uh, months ago. and. Uh, like I said, I, you could, follow, I, you know, anyone out there who wants to listen to any of the episodes I've been on besides this one, uh, I also have on there a link to my Spotify, all the audio content forms via Spotify and on YouTube as well for any of the video podcasting I've been on. Uh, and while you're at it, check out some of my work. Uh, I've done some work for Stevenson University during my uh, um, my major in film and moving image. I did a couple of shorts that I, uh, I'm very proud of. And also got a chance to uh, review some stuff for other sh- uh, uh, other websites and channels. And yeah, thank you so much for joining us, Matthew. And thank you all for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And I will speak to you all again soon. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. This episode is dedicated to our patrons, Eric Scrock, Patrick Regal, and Lauren King. To become a patron, visit www.patreon.com slash avatarpod.com.